and pray and ask Him to give us the strength to follow. You know, you know what's the problem with the Christian church today? We have, we have pastors telling us, hey, you have to do A, B, C, D and E. And it, and it becomes so rigorous, this, this command after command after command, that you know what? The church person listening, sitting in church goes back weary. Do you know why? Because he or she doesn't, you know that you don't have the capacity to be obedient to what the Bible is asking you to be obedient to. Now, what's the, what's the solution to this problem? Pastors fail to preach the gospel before they ask you to say A, B, C, and D. Ask you to do A, B, C, and D. That's the problem with the church. You see, you don't treat your service for God or your worship for God or the money that you give to God as abstract principles. You don't do that. Everything you do for God is a response to what He has already done for you in His Son. It's not an abstract principle. And when it does become an abstract principle, it becomes weary. And you fall into the same trap as the Jews fell. Remember the Jews? Why did Jesus take them to such potent tasks? Well, why? Because you know what? They were just, they, they knew the scriptures so well, but they couldn't find the, the, the strength to actually follow what God was wanting them to follow. And it's the same with the church today. You know, pastors are so high on, on performance that you, you forget grace. You forget grace that gives, to, gives way to that performance. That grace that empowers that performance. And the more you understand God, the more you understand how rich a grace it is that He has given you in your life, the better you serve God. That's the way it works. You don't come and tell your church, do this, this, this and this. Your church will be blinking because they can't do this. It's when you have more of God in your life that you can actually serve Him the way you want to serve Him. The way He wants you to serve Him. If not, you fall into the trap of being a legalist. And you want to just obey the law in order for your salvation. You can't do that. History has already shown us we can't do that. It's impossible. It's when you understand who you are in Christ and how rich that salvation is, is when you can actually serve God and worship Him and give Him your life. As we come to church and we hear God's word, think about what He is asking us to do. Think prayerfully about our response as He speaks to us. Our response to Him is what we call worship. How are you responding to that, to that rich gift of salvation that He has given us? How? And here is why it is all important. He tells us in verse 7, For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. We live our lives in the, in the way we want during the week. And all of a sudden we come to church and we want to cover up our spiritual complacencies by saying, I want to do this and I want to do that for God. Have you heard of that? 
Even we ourselves do it sometimes. We know that we have been complacent spiritually and yet we want to cover up that complacency by coming into church and saying we want to do everything for God. What we dream and what we actually do are sometimes two very different things. We all have dreams. But it takes walking with God and listening to His Word and praying for Him to progressively show us that His will for our lives start to culminate. We sometimes talk about, we sometimes talk about all the things we want to do. And you know what? If it's not theocentric, if it's not God-centered, it's not going to make an iota of a difference to God or to you. It's meaningless. It's vanity. A fool comes to worship God thinking that worship is all about him. It's about my dreams. It's about my wishes. It's about my destiny. My desires. My plans. My goals. That's how a fool would think when he comes to worship God. Because He's worshipping God because he's thinking that worship is sort of a manipulation tool so that God can listen to him. If you think that that is God, you have got a very wrong picture of who God actually is. If you think you can, you can bring in your little manipulations with God, if we think that we can bring our manipulations before God, we can't do it. It's the God of the universe. His word comes forth and it will return to him the, exactly the way he wants it to, 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 to return. After accomplishing exactly what he wants it to accomplish. That's how powerful he is. We can't manipulate this God. Worship begins and ends with us standing in total awe and reverence of God. Worship is about God. We totally forget God because we are so into our dreams and our prayers and our word and our pledges that we forget that this is all about God in the first place. We get so caught up in this, in this Christian activity business that we sometimes we have this sinful tendency to forget who this is all about. And it becomes very man-centered in a very subtle way. And you don't even realize it. We are all part of our cultures and when we get together as friends and family, it's always focused on us or our fellow mates or our families. And we have this sort of this automated tendency to think that way as we gather on church, in church on a Sunday. Because, you know something, we are product of our cultures, right? So we are bombarded week in, week out with the cultures that we've come face to face with. We just automatically bring that mindset into the church as well. And we think that the church is all about us. Well, it is about us, but not primarily. It's about God. It's about God. It's about us, and not about the one who died for his church. That's what we, happens to us when we import too much of our cultures into our church life. Into our lives. Brothers and sisters, 
Is God pleased with our lives? With our prayers, with our vows, with our marriages, with our friendships? It is possible for us to go to church on a Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and hear very little about God, and hear lots about ourselves. We go to church to listen to God. But you know what? After the process is finished, that one and a half hours is over, if you really look at what church is all about, it might end up being about yourself. You ever thought of that? It's about you. It's about you going to meet your friends. It's about you talking with your friends. It's about you talking to church members. And it's got nothing to do with God. That sort of a, that sort of parlance is not in our DNA. Is God pleased with our lives? With our prayers, with our vows, with our marriages, and with our friendships? When we understand how great and awesome our God is, there's only one thing that can come out of that equation. It transforms our lives. I'm not saying that you won't deal with and struggle with sin anymore. You would, more than you ever did before. Right? But it changes the way we listen to God. All of a sudden, we want to know Him more. That's, that's the, the, the logical expression that uh, Dostoevsky was, was talking about. I mean, he was a pagan, he was a Russian, but you know what? Whatever he said in that statement was actually a, 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 a product of the deep longings of the human heart. If a man was free, the first thing that the free man would do is to worship something. And without even realizing it, he actually wrote down the principles of Christian worship. Everything you need to know about your life, you can get from Jesus. He speaks to you through his word. And because of our sin, we, we become fools sometimes. We talk too much, we listen very little, we have our own agenda and we are not following the Lord. We are like sheep that have gone astray. When Jesus died, what, hemp, what happened to the temple curtain? We all know what happened. And why was that temple curtain torn in two? So that people like you and I can have direct access to God through what He has done through His Son. One who is greater than the temple is here. And you have been redeemed by His blood. You can go to Jesus anytime and anywhere. You have direct access to God because of the redeeming work of His Son. Where is the holy sacred place that God has taken up residence now? It's in us. His Holy Spirit dwells in us. That's the holy place. Our bodies. That means that God is constantly involved in every single aspect of our lives. And that includes our worship. In summary, what is God's word saying to us today? It says we should worship God in reverence. Because reverence will help us guard our steps. 
It will help us draw near to listen rather than engage with aimless babble. It will cause us not to be rash with our words. It will cause us to fulfill all our intentions for God. And it will cause us not to come up with lame excuses when we can't keep our promises. In short, only when we revere God in the perfections of His holiness can we truly bring our worship to Him through Jesus. Anybody can walk through those church doors and they can tell by the way the members of this congregation relate to one another. How do we relate to one another as Christians? As a community, as smack. It must be an expression of genuine Christian community. Church must always be the high point of the week, not the lowest point of the week, you know. You know, some of us have this mindset, we, <coughs> we work like six, hours, uh, six days a week, and by the time we have come to church, it's like we are famished, and, and, and it's like the end of the week. Now that's a bit of a wrong mindset, isn't it? When you come to church, that's the highest point of your week, because that is where you come to meet God face to face in His Word. And that should be the climax of the week, not the lowest point of the week. We got the wrong mindsets here. Church must always be the highest point in your week as Christians. I don't want to be sound, sounding like a, like a legalist, but if you understand the rich grace of God in your life, then this is the high point on a Sunday morning. A congregation desiring to please God will continually assess its activities and be willing to reform itself in the light of Scripture. It's an ongoing, continuous process. Members will seek to discover how every aspect of congregational ministry may be a means of offering to God acceptable worship. I'd like to finish by quoting David Peterson as he ends his book, Engaging with God. He says, and I quote, Acceptable worship is an engagement with God. I like that word, engagement. To Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit, a Christ-centered, gospel-serving life orientation. End of quote. You see, <coughs> worship that is acceptable to God can only be valid when you have already a relationship with this God. And you have a relationship with this God through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's almost like a, an imperative, a prerequisite. And if you are not saved by the blood of Christ, and when you don't keep the gospel as central in, in your lives, that's what happened to your worship, and that's why your worship goes wrong. Because you get all, all these funny paradigms from culture, and you import it back into the church. But worship is primarily, fundamentally, towards a God who has already redeemed you by the blood of His own Son. Acceptable worship is an engagement with God through Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. 
a Christ-centered, gospel-serving life orientation. Let's pray. Father, we can only approach your heavenly throne of grace when we follow the standards that you have set for us to approach that throne. Father, we cannot approach that throne without the redeeming work of your Son. And everything we do in terms of word and deed, we do it through your Son. Your Son is the true worship leader in heaven. Because all our praises, all our worships, all our lifestyles come as a fragrant offering to you in heaven through the redeeming blood of your Son. And Father, we we pray that you would always uh, set the sharp standards of Scripture in our lives. We pray that we would always study your word and pray that you would always give us the strength to follow and to be obedient to your word. We pray for the real presence of the Holy Spirit in us for us to understand what he's saying to your word. Father, we pray for this church. We pray that each and every one here, Lord, will be nourished by your life-giving words, will be nourished by the bread of life. And Father, we pray that you would give this bread, give us this bread. We pray that in your mercy you do this for your glory and for the sake of your Son. Amen.